Well, uh, happy Father's Day, everyone, and it's good to be with you this morning. You guys kind of set me up for failure here <laughs> with the whole Father's Day and my dad praying and all that stuff. Uh, but, but today's Father's Day, and we're starting a new series today called Free, and, and I think um, what we're talking about this morning it works well with what we've been talking about, um, but I think what we're talking about this morning is really important. And so for the next um, four weeks, we're going to be talking about the freedom that God has for us. And we just celebrated a mortgage burning. Think about what that symbolizes. When you take out a huge loan, you've got to pay it back, and you're kinda, you've kind of got this thing hanging over your head, and, and you're trying to pay it off. And man, what we celebrate today is that we're free of that. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And I want to talk about that freedom and what that means in our lives, not the mortgage burning, but what the freedom that God offers us means this morning. And so let's just start off with a question, and I want you to talk to each other and, um, and have a fun time with this. What do you think of when you think of the word freedom? Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor what you think of when you hear the word freedom. Go ahead. All right, someone shout some out just so we can have some fun here. America? Okay, America. Yeah, I knew that would come out. What else? The flag, okay. Worship, okay. What was it? Peace of mind, okay, wow, same time, good job. You guys coordinate that? That's good. Any others? Freedom of speech, okay. Summer, yeah, if you're a teacher or a worker that gets out for summer, freedom, you're done. Or if you're a student, yeah. It's funny because I think this variety of answers, it, we all think of different things. I mean, I know in my family, freedom can mean a different thing than maybe in other families. And so um, today we're going to be looking at, um, at freedom from the idea of the father and child relationships. So it's Father's Day, so I'm going to have some fun talking about my kids and the relationship I have with them. But I want to look at that paradigm as we talk about freedom today. And so let me just look at the, my kids and me. What do you think my kids think of when they hear the word freedom? Daddy's watching? Yeah. Oh, watching them, yeah. I'll tell you what my kids want freedom to mean. They want freedom to mean that, that I can't tell them when to go to bed. They want freedom to mean that they can eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, what was it that Sam ate for, for lunch the other day? It was a roll and a piece of pie. We went, we went to the church camp for the kids, and they had this nice, good meal with chicken fingers and, and green beans and all of these different things, and Sam had a roll and a piece of pie. And so my kids, when they think of freedom, we constantly have this discussion where we say, it's bedtime, and they say, I don't want to go to bed. No, but you have to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. Why don't you have to go to bed? I shouldn't have to go to bed. Why do you get to tell me what to do? My kids want freedom from rules. They want to be able to do whatever they want. Now let's flip that around. For those of you that are parents in here, for those of you that are parents of young kids, four kids... What is freedom for you? Think about that. Yeah, freedom for me is, hey, uh, Megan's taking the kids and going somewhere, and I've got some time to myself. 
I, I have a good friend, and he recently, um, he, he's in his mid to late 20s, and he recently bought a house, and, um, and, he, and he quit his job, and he moved into this house, and, and so I went over and, you know, let his pets out for him when he was gone. He goes and travels some, but I mean, seeing my friend move into this house and looking at where his life is, where he just, you know, it's his house, he does what he wants when he's done with work, he goes home and he, he does whatever he wants. And then paralleling that with where my life is, where I get off work and I go home and I've got four boys there, and I've got all of these responsibilities, freedom to me is really about having some time to myself, um, having some time to, to kind of do what I want to do. And so a lot of us, I think, when we think of the word freedom, we think about doing what we want to do being able to make our own decisions, being whatever we want to be, to have control of our lives. Well, I was, I was reading something this week. It was, it was Tim Keller. I like to read Tim Keller's stuff, and so I'm going to quote him a little bit. But he talked about how even when we think we are in control of our lives, really, we're not. And his quote is this, whatever controls us is our Lord. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. And so what that means, what he's saying there is even when you think you are controlling your life, we are a people that were created to worship things. We are a people that were created to consume things. And so whatever it is that we focus our mind on, whatever it is that we focus our attention on, is what controls us. And, and so my boys, they love the iPad, they love um, the iPod, they love their computer, and, and my boys love technology. And if we didn't say anything to them, if we let them have total freedom, what they would do with their entire day, every day, is play on their computer or on their iPad and eat candy or donuts or whatever. See, they would think they're making their own decisions, but the truth of the matter is what we've noticed over and over again is that technology is controlling them. We say, hey, come do this, and nothing happens. We say, hey, I said come do this, and nothing happens. Why? Because they're using technology, it's controlling them. And so even when we think that we're going to control ourselves, we're going to make our own decisions, we're going to have freedom, we will be consumed and controlled by something, the Lord of our lives. So what controls you? For, for some of you, and, and we're, we're, it's Father's Day today, a lot of fathers, I think, are controlled by their career. They have to advance they have to be successful. How many fathers miss the opportunity to be with their kids because their career controls them? I've got to raise up. I've got to do good. I've got to be successful. I've got to get that promotion. For some of you, maybe it's money. I've got to get more money. I want to have the things that I need. I need to make more money. And so everything that we do is about money. For some of you, it may be about love. I have a former teen from, from my youth group in South Carolina, and I'm friends with him on Facebook, and it blows my mind. He posts at least 20 times a day, and every single post is about the fact that he hasn't been able to find love. And it's consumed him. 
It's all he talks about because he thinks he's got freedom, but love or lack of it is controlling him. Maybe it's achievement. Maybe you just need to achieve that next thing. Maybe you think you're defined by what you can accomplish. But the problem is you're never going to accomplish enough to be free. Our problem comes when a good thing among many Well, let me say this. Our problem comes when we turn a good thing into an ultimate thing. So career is good. Money is okay. um, Love is great. Career is great. Achievement is great. But a good thing among many should not be turned into an ultimate thing. The, The problem that we have is when we take something that's good and we turn it into the Lord of our life. So none of those things are bad in themselves. But when they become the sole thing that we focus about... It consumes us. And the problem with that is we can't be fulfilled by those things. Keller says the greater the good, the more likely we are to expect that it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes. The greater something is, the easier it is to be consumed by it, to let it lord over us. And so what's the outcome? What's the outcome of this freedom of these things that we get consumed with. I'll tell you what the outcome is for my kids when they eat too much candy. It's cavities. It's cavities. When they stay up too late, the outcome, outcome is they're miserable. They cry all the time. They're tired. For me, when my family's gone, it's great to have freedom for a little bit, but guess what? I really start to miss those little guys and my wife. I really start to miss my family. And so the outcome of us thinking that we have freedom is that we end up empty. We end up missing it. Those things can't fulfill us. And so as we work through this series, we're going to be working in Galatians 5 and 6. And what we're going to be talking about, the theme that we're talking about, is the freedom that God gives us. And this is huge. Because you all know the damage that other things can do when we focus on them, when we get caught up in the wrong things, when we let other things lord over us. But God wants us to be free. I want to say that again to you this morning because this is important. God wants you to be free. Not a slave to things, but free to be who you were created to be. And so last week... We finished our series on the family business. And we talked about last week at the end of the service, you'll remember we said together, let's move forward. We want to move forward. We want to grow closer to God. We want to be who God wants us to be. Let me ask you a question. What keeps us from being who God wants us to be? What keeps us from moving forward? What keeps us from moving forward is a lack of freedom. And and so Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And so what holds us back from being who God wants us to be? What holds you back from being who God wants you to be? It's the yoke of slavery. Let's look deeper into this. And, And Um, What is Paul talking about? The yoke of slavery in Galatians 5, 13 to 18, it says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law." Verse 19 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul is telling us that we need to get rid of the yoke of slavery. And what's the yoke of slavery? He says, indulging the flesh. Now let's talk about that. Paul's not talking about our skin. Paul's not just talking about our body. The the Greek word that's used there is actually not talking about our physical body or our flesh. The Greek word that's used there is actually talking about our sinful state. And so when Paul says don't indulge the flesh, what he's talking about is don't indulge your sinful state, your selfishness, your, the, the part of you that just wants to do what you want to do. And, and so there's a few warnings there. It says don't indulge, and later it says, or you will be destroyed by each other. If we're all about ourselves, if we're all about indulging ourselves, if we're all about doing what we want to do, guess what happens? We infringe on each other. We hurt each other. We step on each other to take care of ourselves. And so he warns us, don't indulge or you'll be destroyed by each other. Later he says, don't gratify the flesh. And down at the bottom it says, because those who do will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says, these acts of the flesh are obvious. And he lists all these acts of the flesh and he says, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not have the life that you were created for. I find that interesting. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, you guys would probably know this if you have kids, but Jack just turned one year old about a month ago. And Jack, when he does something wrong, what's the first thing he does? He looks at me. Because he knows he's done something wrong. All my kids, if they do something wrong, the first thing they do is, did daddy see that? Did he catch me? Because here's the thing, the acts of the flesh, things that are wrong are obvious. You know them in your life. The things that you shouldn't be indulging in, the things that you shouldn't be feeding are obvious. My kid, my one-year-old knows when he's doing things that are wrong. Paul says it's obvious when you're indulging the flesh or your sinful nature. And so let's just back up and let's talk about how this all works. We were created 
for relationship with God. And we've talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it again. We were created for relationship with God. And in the beginning, we see this beautiful relationship that Adam and Eve have in the garden with God. And everything's beautiful and everything's perfect. But then they messed up. And they became selfish, and they chose for themselves, they indulged themselves. And ever since then, we, you and I, have been messed up. And ever since then, we have had a void. We were born with a void, with something inside of us that wasn't fulfilled, that wasn't met, and we struggle to find it. I don't, you could, once again, if you have kids, you can relate with this because Charlie, who is our three year old, I don't, Charlie is the sweetest kid in the world. Last night we were at Chick fil A and he was in the play area and he came up to the window and he knocked on the window and he said, I love you, Daddy. He's the sweetest kid in the world. But guess what? Then we get home and Jack, our one year old, is staying there and guess what? He, he walks over and pushes him over. Or he sees someone playing with a toy, and guess what he does? He walks over and takes it. Because you can't play with that toy that I obviously wasn't playing with and are not going to play with until I see you playing with it because it's mine. If you have kids, then you can see it. Let's just be honest. If you look at your own life, you can see it. We are wired to take care of ourselves. We have, we have met, been messed up, and there is a void that we constantly try to fill by these other things. And and so we have this idea that something other than God, something other than the Creator can make us right. Well, what did all these things have in common that we talked about earlier? Career, money, achievement, love, all these things. What do those have in common? They're all about ourself. They're all about our own desires. They're all about taking care of us. And guess what? None of them can fill the void in your life. None of those things. Love, no matter how great of a love you find, no matter how perfect of a person you find to love you and you love them back, it can't fill your deepest need. No matter how great of a job you get, no matter how hard you work and how many times you get promoted, it can't make you whole. It can't fill that void. No matter how much money you get, no matter, it can't fill that void. The only thing that can fill that void is a relationship with the Creator God. And as a father, I look at my kids and I see them playing with technology and I see them doing things that, that they shouldn't get into and I see things that are consuming their lives and I look at it and, and I just think, guys, There's so much more to life than that. There's so much more for you to be working towards than that. Life is so much bigger than candy and donuts and staying up late. And I look at my kids and I just want the best for them. I can't help but think that when we get consumed by these things, when we get consumed by career and money and achievement, and doing what we want to do, I can't help but think that God looks down on us and says, don't you know that there's something more? Don't you know you were created for something better than just a job or money or relationship? You're created to walk with the Creator. Verse 17 talks about the conflict that we have, kind of a battle that's going on within us. It says, 
<clears throat> for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. And so we see that there's this conflict going on inside of us. And this is really simple and obvious in your life. You feel the conflict, right? That there's, there's what I want to do, there's what I want to take care of, and there's what I feel like the spirit wants to do. And there's this conflict. There's, there's a problem. This is something that I think we, we all can see in our own lives. Um, John Piper says this, A Christian is not a person who, experiences, who does not experience any bad desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those desires by the power of the Spirit. We were all created with that void. We were all created with that selfish nature that makes us go over sometimes and push people over and makes us steal toys and makes us want to take care of ourselves. But a Christian is not someone that has that wiped away. A Christian is someone who's fighting that, who has this conflict because we want to serve God, the creator. We want that relationship. And sometimes that battle is so glaring. It's sitting at the dinner table and knowing that you shouldn't eat anymore, but really wanting to eat a little bit more. Or it's, or it's um, knowing that you shouldn't look at something, or you shouldn't partake in something, and knowing that it shouldn't happen, but wanting it to happen. Or it's knowing that maybe you want to talk about someone, you want to say something about them, you want to get after them, but knowing that you shouldn't. Knowing it's not the right thing to do. And so we have this battle going on inside ourselves because the stuff that we've talked about, the things that we try to fill our life with, the temporary things, the, the good things that shouldn't be made ultimate things, we can't let them control our lives. And so the first form of slavery that Paul is talking about is slavery to our flesh, to our sinful desires to our selfishness. The second thing is this, and this is something that I think is huge for us in the church today. It's slavery to law and legalism. Using the law, using the rules, using legalism to try to earn our way to wholeness. And, and verses two through six say this, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What Paul is talking about here is, is the, the people that he's talking to are trying to earn it. They're trying to do things that will make them good enough, that will fill that void because they can pull themselves up and they can obey the law and they're going to be good enough. And what Paul says is, if you're going to obey one little part of the law, you're going to be a slave to the law. If the law is the good thing that turns into the ultimate thing, you're going to be a slave to it. You're going to always be worried about it. And in and, and doing that, you're missing Christ. You're missing grace. You're missing the love that God has for you. And so talking about law and legalism, it's about making a good thing into an ultimate thing. The law is good. Rules are good. I like rules. I'm a parent. Rules are really good. They're not the end game. 
My goal for my children isn't just that they obey the rules. My goal for my children isn't just that they grow up to be squeaky clean and don't mess up. My goal for my children is that they become the beautiful people that God created them to be. Rules are great. The law's fine. But it's not the goal. We can't make ourselves right just by doing good things. The only way we can be right is through relationship with the Creator. The only thing that can justify us is a relationship with the Creator God. It's not about rules. It's not about, it's, it's not about doing those things. It's about being who God called you to be. And so, as individuals, as the church this morning, if we're going to move forward, it's not about just doing the right things at the right time. It's about a relationship with the Creator. The only thing that can make us free is relationship with God. Paul says, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And so that brings an interesting question. Because when we talk about freedom, and we talk about doing what we want to do, and we view freedom as I'm going to get to do whatever I want to do, but then we say the only way to get freedom is to be in relationship with the Savior, to be led by the Savior, that doesn't sound like freedom, does it? That sounds like we're being led. I'm not getting to do what I want to do. But think about what we talked about earlier, the Garden of Eden. If you've been around the church, then you probably know the story of the garden where Adam and Eve were created and they're walking through the garden and everything is perfect. Is there a better example of freedom than the Garden of Eden? Where Adam and Eve are walking along and they, they have total freedom to, to be who God created them to be and they've got the Creator God right there with them and everything is perfect. And they traded that all in for what they wanted to do. It was all perfect. And then the second they traded it in, what happens? They realized they were messed up. They realized they were naked. They all of a sudden were scared. They hid from God. Can't you see the difference between doing what you want to do and really being free? The freedom that God offers us is not just selfishly doing whatever you want to do. The freedom that God offers us is being who we were created to be. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want. Freedom is the ability to be who you were created to be. Listen, I know that we're big on freedom, and we should be. But freedom is not about our selfish desires. Freedom is not about getting what we want and doing it our way. Freedom is about being who God created us to be. And don't you understand this morning? God has something so much more for you than slavery to things, than slavery to earning, than slavery to trying to make yourself good enough. God has grace and love that's freely available to you. And you don't have to earn it. And you don't have to be in bondage. You can be free today. Not free to ruin your life by making terrible decisions. Free to be who God created you to be. To walk in the garden. To know the creator. To know that God loves you. When I look at my kids, rules are good. My kids are great kids. But I just want them to be who God created them to be. Because Eli's awesome. And Sam's awesome, and Charlie's awesome, and Jack's awesome, and they're all created uniquely. 
And God has something huge for each one of them. And I don't care about the small stuff. I want God to make them the men that God wants them to be. And I think when God looks at us today, God says, the rules are good, career's good, money's good, whatever. But I want you to be who I created you to be. I don't want you to be a slave to meaningless things that can't fulfill you. I want you to have life to the fullest. And so today, if we're going to move forward, if you personally are going to move forward like we talked about last week, if you're going to grow closer to God, if you're going to become who God wants you to be, you need the freedom of Christ. Not the freedom to do whatever you want, not the freedom to ruin it, but the freedom to know the Almighty God. The freedom to become who God created you to be. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you feel like you're living in bondage and you're living in slavery, whether it's to bad things and selfish things of the flesh or whether it's just that you're living in slavery to trying to be good enough, I've got good news for you. God wants you to be free to be who God created you to be. God has something so much bigger for you. And as a church... If we're going to be who God intends us to be, if we're going to be the church and move forward to be who God wants us to be, it's not about our selfish desires, it's not about achieving things, it's not about numbers, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about being who God created Westchester Nazarene to be. It's about loving the, the Lord of our life. It's about God using us. It's about God transforming us. And I believe that. It's not about success or numbers or any of that stuff. That stuff's all fine. It's not about rules. That stuff's fine. It's about God transforming us and using us and working in our lives. And so today, as we come together as a church, I would ask you to seek the freedom that God has for you. Not to seek what you want, not to seek your selfish desires, not to seek what you can do on your own, but to understand that there's a creator that wants to walk with you, that wants to use you, that wants to do things in your life that are better than you can ever do on your own. And so I would ask you to submit yourself, to allow the Spirit to live in you this morning. If, the good news today is this. You don't have to be slave anymore. You were created to be free, to be great, to be special, to walk with God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning and I thank you for the opportunity to be together and I thank you for all the awesome things that have happened in service, the mortgage burning, um, for celebrating Father's Day. I thank you for your presence with us and and the great worship that we've had together. And Lord, I thank you for all these people who are sitting here today. And and I believe that, that there are a lot of great people in this sanctuary. And I believe, Lord, like I said last week, that you want us to move forward and you want to do great things in our lives. That you want to do great things in this church. But Lord, I pray that we would trust you I pray that what we do every day would not be about ourselves, that it wouldn't be about our own selfish desires, it wouldn't be about trying to be good enough, but that it would be about being who you created us to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us your freedom. I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that's struggling, 
with slavery to things that aren't the ultimate goal. I pray, Lord, that you would deliver us. I pray that you would help us to know that you're our Father that loves us more than anything and just wants us to be free and to have that relationship. So work in our lives this morning, Lord. We love you. Amen.